Welcome to the Life of Christ. This is session 8 as we continue into Matthew chapter 2 and verse 13. We're going to look at now the escape to Egypt and Jesus at 12. Alright, so beginning in verse 13, Matthew chapter 2, it says, Now when they had departed, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph. Remember, these are the wise men that departed. Okay? That an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream. Now notice that Joseph had his share of dreams as well. Amen? It wasn't like Mary had all the dreams and the angelic visits and everything. Alright? Joseph is having his fair share of dreams. Alright? This is the second one that he's had now. The first to say that Mary was impregnated by the Holy Spirit. Amen? And now we're getting this warning coming through. And he says again, So the angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream, saying, Arise, take the young child and his mother, flee to Egypt. Now this would have been incredibly difficult if, if that was a baby still. Alright? So for a young child, isn't easy, but not as difficult on the parents, as especially Mary, as it would have been if, if it was actually still, if Jesus was still a baby. Alright, so now this wasn't too far away, Egypt wasn't that far away and had many Jews living there. But most importantly, it was outside of Herod's domain. Alright, and so it says, and stay there until I bring you word, for Herod will seek the young child to destroy him. Alright, verse 14. When he arose, he took the young child and his mother by night and departed for Egypt. Hendrickson says, Joseph is a man who is used to obeying without asking questions. So in the darkness, he makes good his escape from Bethlehem and proceeds towards Egypt. So right now, Joseph is shining. Okay, he doesn't ask any questions. He's told to go, he goes. Amen. See, now he didn't know that the wise men had dreams and stuff. We are not told. Maybe they said something. But he had his own dreams. And you know what? How many of you have a dream, wake up the next morning and just go change houses or leave the country or something? It's a, it's a big deal. Do you know what I'm trying to say? We're reading this, but we need to understand that they're settled now. You know, he's got his family now. He's got a wife. He's got a young child. Probably had a business going. Alright? And in a dream, it's just like, time to go. Oh, if I'm Joseph, I'll go, I just got settled. You know? And we need to see that as well. That's, that's the reason why I, I favor more uh, the fact that maybe Joseph died rather than you know what some others seem to think that maybe he just walked off and he was a bit disappointed that you know some people say that following the, the, the visit from the wise men um, that you know he thought well you know again this is the wrong thought okay but let me just give it to you that you know he was thinking oh Wow, this could be quite lucrative, you know. <laughs> People coming and bringing all kinds of jewels and gifts and everything else. This could be good. Very soon we'll be living in the palace. Now, come on, you know, you're thinking like this. I mean, born the king of the Jews. This guy is born to be king. You're thinking palace, you're thinking money. Okay, royal toilets, whatever. But you sort of have this, you know, this idea of grandeur. And nothing is happening. Except mostly you're running for your life. Not the kind of life you planned on. You know, he's a carpenter. He just wants to stay in one place, do his job, you know, and especially a job like that. It would require you had some sort of a reputation of people need to come to you. And, and this would be very unsettling for him as well. So people, you know, are thinking, oh, maybe he just got sick and tired of it and thought, you know what, enough, I'm leaving. I don't think so, however. Because you see this 
here now. He, if he is willing to listen like this, then, you know, um, again, it was very common um, in those areas, and in fact, even now, um, that an older man would take a younger bride uh, because they would establish themselves and they would make sure that they were able to look after and take care of a wife and a family and everything, and they had the proper income to do all of that. Do you understand? So it would take them a while to establish themselves. before, And a lot of times back then as well, you understand about arranged marriages and stuff. You had to have something worth, sort of, that the bride's parents would go, okay, we, could, we see that you can look after her and everything else before we hand our kid to you. So there were things, all of those things in play as well. So when you take all of that into account, uh, it's more likely, again, from incidents like this, that he actually did die of old age. And why we don't hear of, you know, about him later on. I wanted to share that with you for a while. Okay. <clears throat> so again, verse 14, it says, When he arose, he took the young child and his mother by night and departed for Egypt. So, verse 15, And was there until the death of Herod. So, that was no more than a few weeks. That it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the Lord through the prophet. Okay, that's in Hosea 11.1, 1, saying, Out of Egypt I call my son. So here again we see how Matthew not only makes it a point to show how all scripture in the Old Testament spoken through the prophets points in some way to the coming of Christ, but also how it is only fulfilled in him as well. Amen? So all of these things, I mean, you wouldn't think that God would have to call him out of Egypt. Interesting, isn't it? All right? But all, all of these prophecies were there. And all of these things were happening. All right? I'm very tempted right now to, <laughs> to deal with something um, which I, I hope you can manage this at this time of the night. I hope I can manage it at this time of the night. So many people have look at situations like this and they say, see, God preordains everything. Okay? And that everything is, you know, you don't get to choose. It's all just chosen for you. Who's heard that? Okay, alright, so now, <clears throat> I know for a fact, and in fact, from, to be very careful how I say this, scientists who are Christians, not Christian science, scientists now who are Christians, okay, and especially people in the, in the realm of psychology and so on and so forth, uh, have come to the conclusion, and they know now, and they said they took so long to come to this conclusion, that man is not a robot, that he has in some preordained thing that he's programmed to do, that we all make our own decisions. Okay? Can also say this, if we weren't allowed to make our own decisions, and everything was preordained, then God has no right to judge us. Because we're just following a program. I mean, it's stupid. If you, if you bought a, a computer and you programmed to do something, and it did exactly that, and it wasn't something you liked, for you to then throw the computer away. Don't write the program, stupid. Write another program. <laughs> okay? It will do whatever you tell it to do. But we are not like that. We are not pre-programmed. Okay? And all the references that the Bible makes about God predestining something for us is His way of planning ahead for us should we make the decision to follow Him. He does have a plan for us. He doesn't look at you and go, Oh no, I didn't think you would get saved. 
Okay? And then every one of us, which is, which is going to be the thing at judgment, where he'll look at those people that rejected him and rejected him and rejected him, and say, this is what I had planned for you. This was your predestined purpose. This is what I wanted for you. And why you would have blossomed so well and woken up and said, thank you God for who I am. Alright? One of the things that I'm, I'm moving towards is sharing and teaching you about how God has made you unique. Alright? That all of you are very... It's a brilliant creation. That every single one of you, just like your fingerprints, have a very specific way how you operate. Alright? And it's, it's, it's incredible. And there are no mistakes. Alright? And so, with that understanding, we need to know that, <coughs> excuse me, nobody is just pre-programmed to do stuff. We all make decisions. Then it comes, then, then we have this enormous problem, and there's a reason why a lot of people take the easy road, and say, see, even though we have will, on the front side we have a free will, on the back side, God knows everything we're going to do. Okay? doesn't work that way. If you have a free will, let me just put it to you this way. History is set because it has passed. And you have already done what you're going to do. But the future is always uncertain. It's almost like a rope that is solid. But, and when it comes to right now, at that point in the rope, it branches out in a myriad of directions. And depending on the decision that you make, then you will start to follow one of those things. As you get past it, it will then solidify and become history. Because now you have done that. But what you were going to do, God didn't know. He would help you, He would instruct you, He would guide you, but you can still say no and do something else. Okay? So, then we, when we have this problem, people say, well, if that's the case, then how come prophecies like this came to pass? How can they say all of this is going to happen? The thing is, and let me say this to you, and I hope you catch this. And here's the genius of it all. Okay? What we are seeing is all of this happening in a falling world. When Satan is trying to do everything to oppose everything that God said. He is going to do everything to stop any and every prophecy from coming to pass. You know that now, come on, give us a break, okay? He is there to kill, steal and destroy. He is there to stop any and all of God's plans and purposes coming to pass. Alright? And what we need to understand is, all of this has been put into play, alright? In the fact, now, there was a, now watch if you can get this, okay? There was a good way for things to happen, and a bad way for things to happen. Everything that we read in prophecy, had a right way and a wrong way of happening. Either way it would happen because God said. But how it happened was up to you. So instead of something good happening and an invitation being extended and something wonderful going on that caused Mary and Joseph to go to Egypt. Alright? And perhaps, and can I just give you just a, a make-believe? Just to show you something here. Instead of the kid's life being in danger, and he's about to be killed, and so we have to escape off to Egypt. It could have been like the wise men came from the east. That maybe somebody in Egypt picked up on what's going on. Remember, they had Joseph. Okay? And they, they could have had a dream. 
And God could have spoken to somebody there and said, there's a king that has been born. I want you to invite them to the palace and I want you to honor them. I'm just a make-believe here, okay? But follow this now. And so, you don't think Joseph and Mary would have packed a bag and gone there? It's a vacation in the palace. Let's go, forget the donkey. <laughs> I mean, you would have been out the door, man. This is a paid vacation. You see what I'm trying to say? And that would have been God's way of blessing them and saying, here is further finance and money because you are going to need all of this to bring up because you're not going to just have one kid. I know you, Joseph. As soon as this is finished, you're going to have another six kids. You're going to have lots of money. You're going to need a, a, a lot of donkeys. And a big cart to carry all of these everywhere. Okay? And, and that's fine. God's fine with all of that. Okay? And that would have been a way that they would have gone to Egypt. Are you all with me? And it would have been a blessed trip. It would have been a good thing. And Egypt would have been blessed. Are you hearing what I'm saying? But you know what the miracle is? Even in a fallen world, with Satan trying to do everything to stop what God was going to do. Perhaps Satan saw that and thought, you know what, I'm going to make that king not want to have anything to do with this person. Blah, 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 blah. Let's see now what he does. And then this happens. And I can see the devil going, why is he in Egypt? <laughs> I thought we cut that off. I can see some devil getting his head cut off, you know, or his head rolling for this. And he says, like, I don't know, boss, it happened again. We do everything to stop stuff, and it still happens. That's the genius of God. That regardless now, what's the difference? The difference is nobody's getting blessed. It's still happening. God's plan is always everybody gets blessed. Both the giver and the recipient are both blessed. Because we don't see that happening, we know something else is going on. Are you okay with that? It's sad that we don't see what should have happened. We are only seeing what had to happen. Because everybody was in disobedience. Okay, let's move on. I can show you. You know in the story of Joseph, so many people use him as an example of, see, sometimes you have to go to the pit. That should have never happened. And if you look at what happened later on, had Joseph had the dream and gone to Pharaoh and said, this is going to happen, he wouldn't have been some slave in some dungeon somewhere. He would have come up, Pharaoh would have spoken to him, and he would have been on, on equal terms. And there would have been a whole other dynamic that took, that took place. Didn't, the brothers could have all been blessed and they didn't have to go through all of that. Do you understand? Because, you know, God can give Pharaoh a dream and say the person that's going to solve it is going to be coming to you in the next three days. And given Joseph a dream, go see Pharaoh. Why can't we believe that? Why can't we believe that God wouldn't have spoken to Joseph? He already was talking to Joseph. That he was spoken to Joseph and said, this is what's going to happen. And you know what? But what about the thing about his brothers bowing? You know, had they been uh, humble and thought, you know what? Even though our little brother has a big mouth, maybe God's doing something. Maybe we need to back off and allow God to do what He's doing and see what happens. And he would have grown up and he would have apologized to his brothers and said, you know, I'm always stupid. We all grow up, don't we? Somewhere, you know. And the brothers would have said, yeah, kid, don't worry about it. You know, we were all that way once. That would have been the right way it would have happened. What we saw was the wrong way. And we can't use that to say that God is doing that to someone 
to take him down so that out of the pit they're going to lift him up. Blah, blah, blah. So many people that end up in the pit never come back out. Just saying. That was a big gamble, man. Anyway, are you all with me? Let's now move on. I'm sorry, I just wanted to share that with you because usually that one comes up as well. At least I didn't bring up Job. All right. <laughs> I, I could have, but I won't go there today. All right, I think you get the idea about it. Look for that in everything now. Look for that. It's the easy road that just says, oh yeah, God's just doing all of that. That's why God says, come talk to me, reason with me. Let me show you stuff. Let me show you what should have happened. And don't take the easy road. Think a little bit. Amen? Amen. All right, let's get back to this now. Verse 16, Matthew 2, 16. Then Herod, when he saw that he was deceived by the wise men, who himself had tried to deceive, hello, was exceedingly angry. That's, that's a real characteristic of these people. They like to always put the con on others. If they ever get con, whoa, you won't ever hear the end of it. Are you all with me? Okay? People are like that. Like somebody once said, you know, they go the rule is do unto others and split. Yes. <laughs> okay, right. So, so it says, was exceedingly angry or literally furious because of his pride, and he sent forth and put to death all the male children who were in Bethlehem, and watch this, in all its districts, from two years old and under. Alright, and we are not told how many infants were murdered at this time, according to the time which he had determined from the wise men. We find that he made his determination based on what the wise men said. Okay, and because they departed some other way, out of just spite and anger, he just decided to kill everybody in Bethlehem and all around the region as well. That's just horrible, okay? This is the kind of man he was. Then was fulfilled what was uh, spoken by Jeremiah the prophet saying, a voice was heard in, in Ramah. Alright, lamentation, weeping, and great mourning. Rachel weeping for her children, refusing to be comforted because they are no more. This is a very sad situation. It's a very sad situation. It is a prophecy that was there. Okay? Um, and obviously, God knows what the devil will be up to and what he's going to do. Again, we can choose. But it's, there are always going to be people on this planet that are going to do his bidding. Do you understand? And God can see to a certain degree when people like that are going to be that way and that the devil will influence him. This is the reason why we always pray against the spiritual forces. Why Paul says, come against all those spiritual things. Because those things are looking for anybody that they can work, work through. Do you understand? So even if, if they come and try to influence somebody over here and this person says no, they'll go look for somebody else. Okay, and they will get their purposes done some way, somehow. But it doesn't mean you have to do it. Do you understand what I'm trying to say? And so this is the reason why this is brought out. Because I believe that something tragic was going to happen. Satan is out to stop the Messiah coming. He has been doing that ever since Genesis 3.15. When the promise was laid down, God threw the gauntlet down and said, This is what's going to happen. You think you have won, but you have not. Do you understand? And so ever since then, anybody that looked like the Messiah was being killed off. And so God can see that much. Okay? And what the devil, the lengths that the devil will go through to, to do this and to keep this from coming to pass. Are you all with me? Okay. 
hope this is not getting too complex for you guys. I think you're getting it. I believe that you have the mind of Christ. And all you guys can get this. In Jesus' name. Amen. Alright, so. Uh, what, can I also say this? The other thing I want to bring up. Ultimately. And I want to give you a new thought. Are you ready for this? These kids' blood are on whose hands? Ultimately. Herod didn't know where to look. He asked the priests, where, where is he going to be born? They told him where. Did you get that? All of those kids' blood were on their hands. They knew who they were revealing all of this to. And had they not said anything, that would have never happened. He, would have known, he wouldn't have known where. Yeah, I would say. That's the reason why Jesus, when he, when he is ministering, He looks at them and says, You are of your father, the devil. He's talking to the priests. The Pharisees, the Sadducees, the scribes. He says, You are of your father, the devil. You can begin to realize now what's going on. He says, You are a bunch of hypocrites. Do you know why? Because they don't want to do things that will make them unclean, but they're willing to give up their Messiah in two seconds. And have all these innocent kids killed, and we can blame Herod because he's an evil man. Well, if you didn't tell him, he wouldn't have known. Are you all with me? So, let's... Rachel, what's the deal with Rachel? If you recall, Rachel was Jacob's most cherished wife, as opposed to Leah, uh, who he was tricked into marrying as a result of the seed that he sowed. Remember? When he tricked his own father Isaac into believing that he was Esau, and received the blessing of the firstborn. Remember that? And Esau was so mad with him. Because he put on the coat and the, you know, and everything else. Isn't it interesting? Whatever you sow, you reap. Yeah. <laughs> right? Okay? <clears throat> okay. And once Jacob finally married Rachel, they found out that she couldn't have kids. And after much prayer and supplication on Jacob's part, Rachel finally conceived and gave birth to two children. Joseph and Benjamin. Remember, Joseph didn't know about Benjamin until later. Alright? Um, but that's the reason why the other boys are always hate him as well. Alright? Now, you know, had Jacob been maybe a better father, that might not have happened as well. A lot of family teachings in that one. You have to always be careful how you treat one kid in front of another kid. Kids sense everything. Sometimes even though you don't even realize, you might not even mean to, to, to say something to, the, you know, to their little um, sibling, but they will hear it in a way that they're going, oh, you like him, but you don't like me. Or you like her, but you don't like me. You know, it's just they, they have this stuff going on. And you have to be careful because you then become responsible for all of the conflict that takes place between them. Because you're firing up something that shouldn't be there. And if you do the right thing, then they'll get along well together. You do the wrong thing and you're going to have problems in the family. I'm, I'm telling you, I've seen this in, on so many levels. And it started happening with my family as well. I didn't realize, no, I'll just be honest with you. You know, when I was younger and I had no experience. <laughs> who has experience until you get it, you know. And uh, you know, I, used to, I used to say certain things. And I, I would, you know, one of my kids would come up to me and say, Oh, you like better because dot, dot, dot. And I'll be like, I don't. I love you both the same. 
And had I not said that and rectified and corrected that, and then left markers in myself, that every time I do something with that person, I need to make sure that if the other one's watching, that I say something complimentary to them as well. It is a thing. Just get over it, you've got to do it. <laughs> if you have kids, you have to do that. It's a thing you do, okay? And so I just learned, and it's more work, yes. But it is a blessing. At the end of the day, you know, you have both of them loving you. Not one of them looking at you with anger and the other one thinking that they're your pet. While you love them both the same. And then you can't understand why one's having an issue and, you know, so on and so forth. Anyway, let's get back to this. So that, that's the reason why all that happened. And why Joseph, uh, excuse me, Jacob loved Joseph and Benjamin so much. Alright, or Joseph at this stage. Because he was a child that he never thought he could have from the one that he really wanted to marry to start with. Are you all with me? That was his, the love of his life. And they had this kid. Obviously, it's just... Alright, William Hendrickson in his commentary points out that not only was Joseph the father of Ephraim and Manasseh, which is, uh, which is represented by Israel, the kingdom of the ten tribes, but also that Benjamin is symbolized by Judah, the king of the two tribes, both of which lie on either side of the border town of Ramah, where tradition says that Rachel was actually buried. So that kind of gives us a little indication. So he therefore says that the parallel drawn by Matthew is very clear. Because of the slaughter of the infants in Bethlehem and all its districts by King Herod, he was an Edomite by the way. Remember the Edomites? Okay, alright. Matthew here pictures Rachel weeping because her children on both sides of the border were being ruthlessly murdered. Alright, so this act of violence would bring divine judgment upon Herod to where in addition to his shameful mentioned in the archives of disgrace, <laughs> actually got that from Josephus, and spending eternity in hell, the historian Josephus in his enumerating the symptoms Herod finally suffered, speaks of ulcerated entrails and a petrified and maggoty scrotum, foul breath and, a, and constant convulsions. So that was Herod's harvest and the final end to his life. See, we don't, we don't hear about this stuff. But whatever you sow, you reap. And you go down this road and you touch God's anointed. There's an end coming and it's not a pretty one. Amen? So I thought it would be good for you to know that. Let's, let's do verse 19, but we'll come back here and pick it up there. Is that okay? Can't leave Herod alive here. But when Herod was dead, because he died, maggoty and all. Alright? Okay. <laughs> I'm sorry, I am a little tired. <clears throat> With the bad breath, that's right, okay. Yeah, okay. No, that stink. Okay, so it says, But when Herod died, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared in a dream to Joseph in Egypt, saying, Arise, take the young child and his mother, and go to the land of Israel, of which Judea was not a part of. Uh, for those, referring to all those associated with the tyrant, who sought the young child's life, are dead. Isn't that interesting? Don't let that, that little phrase get past. Everybody that, that was after this kid's life is now dead. God took care of all of them. I told you, if anything, feel sorry. They put a finger on you and it's just like, oh, this is the wrong person. You don't touch God's anointed. You don't mess with this. Amen? And I'll tell you something, I have seen this happen where people have mistreated 
those people that are in God's family that know their rights and are doing the things that God has asked them to do and have favor with God. And I tell you, it doesn't take long before things just start unraveling and falling apart in their lives. Do you hear me? All right. Okay, we're going to stop there for today. We'll pick all this up.